Uh, we're going to continue with thoughts on the top 10. We're not going to get into the Ten Commandments again because there's only 10 of them when we're done with the 10. But um, a number of months ago, I heard some teaching uh, by pa Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas, on a theme that I want to share with you this morning. And I really felt that God wanted me to bring this to the church as kind of a follow-up of what we talked about through the whole series on the Ten Commandments, which we called God's Top Ten Tips for a Great Life. And um, I kind of, th this, this message is sort of the so what to all of that. We talked about every one of the commandments and what God has to say. Now what are we going to do with that? Where does that take us at this point? And so to get us going today, I want us to, um, to look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 16, which says, keep the commandments and keep your life. Despising them leads to death. That's pretty pointed, isn't it? Um, where do we go from here? What do we do with, with what we've been taught? If you keep it, you will keep your life. It will bring life. It will be a flow of life to you. If you despise them, that is to say you pick and choose, or um, you just don't do it at all, and I'm, I'm not just talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to, in fact, I'm primarily talking to Christians. If we, if we pick and choose, if we despise the word of God, it will lead to death. I once heard a, a national um, news anchorman make this statement, and it, it, you could tell that the statement will let you know that it happened about 30 years ago. It, it would, I doubt that anybody would say this today on TV, but... Um, he's, he made this, a statement about the Ten Commandments, and he says, you know, after all, what God gave us through Moses was not the Ten Suggestions. And I thought, wow, that's pretty insightful. Uh, a lot of us take the Ten Commandments as the Ten Suggestions, and I know sometimes, just in our human nature, whenever we're commanded to do something, we rebel against it. You tell me I have to go 45? I'll go 50, you know. Um, you tell me I can't do such and such, I'll do it. We just have this thing within us that whenever we're commanded to do something, uh, and it's part of, I'm going to tell you what that is, it's part of the fallen nature. It's part of the sin nature that's in each of us. We rebel against whatever we're told not to do. And we really see that prevalent in today's world today. And so here we are as Christians, as God's church, and we have to decide, are these 10 suggestions that God has given us, or are they 10 commandments? And if they are commandments, will we follow them? The important thing to know is what Proverbs 19.16 says, keeping these commandments will help you preserve your life, will bless your life, will bring God's favor into your life. But if you reject them, if you pick and choose, it will bring quite the opposite. In fact, other portions of Scripture, this particular Scripture says that it will bring death. Other portions of Scripture talk about um, actually bringing curses upon our lives. We can bring curses upon our lives and our family, even as God's people. Curses can, can come upon our lives by rejecting the direction of the Lord as given to his word. Now, I know that the thought of, of curses kind of seems ancient, and foreign, and 
I don't know how I feel about that word curses. You know, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, but let me just ask you a question, show of hands. How many of you believe in the blessings of God? And you believe that God wants to bless your life? Yeah. Uh, I doubt that I have to convince too many of you about that. It just, I just want to submit, submit to you that if the blessings of God that are given to us in the Bible are still relevant and for us today, that the curses are also relevant for our lives today. It just makes sense that that is, tr that it, that is true. So when it comes to the way that I think most people think about life, they see themselves as a physical being uh, and I would say this is true of, of a lot of Christians. They see themselves as a physical being having a temporary spiritual experience. And so we get this 168 hours a, year, a week, a year, a week in our lives, 168 hours. And out of that 168, we give God an hour or maybe a little bit more. But the rest of the week is kind of ours to live as we want. And so we have this temporary spiritual experience, like, okay, I came to church today, you know, and I'm going to be here for about an hour, and then I'm going to leave and get on with life. And that's the way a lot of people see, see their, their lives as um, a temporary spiritual experience followed by a, the majority of their week. But I want to suggest to you that it's actually the opposite of that, that in reality, you are a spiritual being having a temporary physical experience because your life will not last forever. Every one of us has a destiny with death. And I know you didn't come here to hear that. That isn't the, the best news you've heard all day. But um, it is nonetheless true, and we all know it, that the, the reality is that there is a day that we will cease to live on this planet. But the Bible reveals that we never cease to exist, that we continue on. And the spiritual is the, the more prevalent part than the physical. So we are primarily a spiritual being having a temporary physical experience. And if that is true, then it seems to me that we need to learn to invest a lot more into what's going to last forever. If, if the spiritual is the, la the lasting part of it all, we need to be investing a whole lot more into that. So with that in mind, I want us to look at what God told Israel, his people, and us, his people, about the blessings of living by God's word, by God's commandments, by God's counsel, and the consequences of not living by God's word. Because they are relevant, both of those are relevant still today. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. If not, it'll be provided on the screen uh, above, uh, in, in the center here. And this is what God says about this. He says, today... I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. I really want you to get that in your head. You're being, giving, you're being given a choice. You choose between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God 
that I am giving you today, but you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him. And, and so God is saying, I'm giving you a choice between being blessed or, or experiencing curses in your life. And what he's telling this, who, who he's telling this to is his people. So I want you to get this in your, your head that he's not talking to the, the heathen nations out there. He's talking to his people, and he's still saying the same thing to his people. So if you are a Christian, that is to say you follow the Lord your God, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. If you consider yourself a Christian, this word is for you, it's for me, it's for, it's for all of us here this morning that we have been given a choice. We can choose to be a blessed people or we can choose to be a cursed people. And so these are the words that God spoke through Moses before Israel entered into the promised land. There are two words that are in these verses that I want to highlight to you. And the two words are what we've already talked about, the word blessing and the word curse. And in verse number uh, 26 there, it says, I'm giving you the choice between the two. You choose which one you bring into your life, blessings or curses. Okay, so Deuteronomy 11 makes it clear. Keep in mind, we're talking about the follow-up of the top 10, that if we obey God in these things, that we don't pick and choose, but we wholeheartedly obey God and keep ourselves, nobody's perfect, but we keep ourselves under submission, short accounts with the Lord, and so forth, if we do that, his blessings come. And this, in, in Deuteronomy 11, is a snapshot of this truth. But this subject is dealt with in far greater detail over in chapter 28. And that's where I'm going to take us. So if you have your Bibles, now you can turn over to Deuteronomy 28. And we're going to see what God has to say to us about these blessings and curses. Now, if you do turn turn in a literal Bible, which probably most of you don't have. You have it on your device, your phone, your iPad, or whatever, or you're just looking at up, up above me here. But if you have a Bible, one of the first things you'll notice is how large Deuteronomy chapter 28 is. It's 68 verses. That's a long chapter. And the first thing that jumps to my mind is that if God is going to invest 68 verses into something, it must be really important and we really need to listen to what he has to say to us, okay? So I want to offer that as a suggestion. So let's read what God says in Deuteronomy 28. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Let's just, we're going to start with verses 1 and 2. Number, uh, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, and by the way, if you're on a device, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you. They'll overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So this is what God is saying to Israel and to us. If you obey me, if you follow my word, 
your life is going to be blessed. In fact, I want you to look at a verse that I underlined. It's not underlined in the Bible, but I underlined it for you just to highlight it there. Second to the last line is the word overtake. It's an interesting word. It's an aggressive word. And this word could be actually translated into English with the word tackle. These blessings will tackle you, which is very apropos for the beginning of the NFL season that we're in right now. And how the Denver Broncos are going to tackle the Baltimore Ravens today and win a great victory. Hallelujah. And how the Dallas Cowboys are going to lose today. Hallelujah. They're going to get tackled and everything. So I, that, I don't know if that's a prophetic word or a pathetic word. So, uh, well, I guess by the end of the day, we'll know. All right. Anyway, so tackle. God is saying that my blessings will tackle. He's promising that if you follow his word, you don't look at God's commandments as optional, as suggestions. His blessings are going to seek you out. They'll, they'll tackle you. They'll overshadow you. They'll overwhelm you. You will be blessed by God with these blessings. And, and, and it'll be powerful in your life because, and this is the result of you following the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And then he gives in, in chapter 28, these, the, uh, of these 68 verses, the, he gives 14, the first 14 deal with the details of these blessings that are going to tackle you, that are going to overtake you in your life. And, and we don't have time to go through all of them, but let me just highlight some of them for you. Uh, verse number three, he says, uh, you will be blessed in the city and you will be blessed in the country. I'm, I spend most of my time in the city, so I'm glad he, he said the city as well. We're going to be blessed in the city. Then in, in verse four, he says, you're going to be blessed coming in and going out. That means when you came into church, you were blessed, but when you go out, you're going to really be blessed. Hallelujah. All of the time with your life, going in or going out, in the country, in the city, you're going to be blessed. Verse number seven, anything coming against you will fail. Hallelujah. That sounds like victory to me. That's the blessing. Verse number seven, anything coming against you. Well, I already did that. Verse number eight, your work will be prospered. I want my work to be prospered. I want to be sex, uh, successful. I want to be efficient and effective in my life. I want this to be a part of who I And I want that in my life. God says that will happen in your life. Verse 10, other people will see the blessings of God upon your life and your family. Uh, I have prayed many times that people would see Jesus in me. I, uh, I don't want them to say, well, you know, he, he's successful because... He's so talented or so smart. I want them to look at me and, and say, you know what, that guy's not all that smart after all, but man, he is blessed. It's got to be God. I want people to say there's no explanation for him other than God, the presence of God, the spirit of God in his life. How many of you want that in your life? You want the presence of God so prominent in you. People just see that in you. Um, number, number, verse number 12, you'll be a lender to others and not a borrower. And some of you are up your eyeballs in debt, you know. 
I had a family come up to me after the first service to talk about how God's getting them out of debt and what God's beginning to show them about what he's going to do through them. Because listen, the blessings of God bring the provision of God. You'll be a lender, not a borrower. That's a great way to live. Verse 13, you'll be the head and you'll not be the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. On and on and on. These blessings. And that's that's the first 14 verses of chapter 28. The details of God's promised blessing upon those who obey his word. But the rest of the chapter, remember I told you 68 verses. We've dealt with 14. Do your math. The next 54 verses are dedicated to what happens if you don't obey. And the thought comes to mind... Why would God give only 14 verses dealing with the blessings and 54 verses dealing with the curses? And the answer is obvious. Because we don't need to be convinced about the blessings. We don't need to be convinced that God wants to bless us. Everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants to receive the blessings of God. Even people who give God no thought at all in their lives. If they hit a hard time, maybe it's a like a, a physical issue and the doctor can't bring remedy to it or, or, or maybe it's a financial crisis or something in their family or with their kids or whatever. And we find out about it. You know, maybe you as a Christian find out about it. It's in your neighbor's family and, and you, you, you're talking to them over the fence and, and you say, hey, I heard about, you know, the physical issue. Or I heard about what's going on. I, I want you to know I'll, I'll be praying for you. Every one of those people say, yeah, absolutely pray for us. We need help. We need help. And they're all in for prayer. They're all in for God's help. But once the crisis goes away, many people forget all about God. And it's back to business as usual. You know, we don't struggle believing in the blessings. We don't struggle even believing that we're maybe worthy of those blessings. But curses, that's another thing. This is something we need to be convinced about. And so God does some major convincing in Deuteronomy 28. 54 verses worth of convincing. Now, one of the sobering thoughts about this subject is if you go back one chapter to Deuteronomy 27. We're in Deuteronomy 28. If you go back to Deuteronomy 27, Moses said that before Israel entered into the promised land, he gave these instructions. All the men of, of Israel were to gather together before the Levites, and these curses would be read to them. The curses were to be read to them. And get this, after they read each curse, the men of Israel were to shout out. They were to shout it out. Amen! You know what amen means? So be it. I agree with that. Really? That curse? Yeah, I, that's what amen means. Let it happen. If you're a Beatles fan, let it be. You know, amen. It's interesting to me that they were never told when they read the blessings that they were to say amen. Just the curses. Because the curses are hard to accept. So God wanted to make sure that they understood what they were, that this would happen if 
They got in to God's promised land and they began to reject his word. The same thing is true for us today. If we come into salvation, that's our promised land, leading to the greater promised land, which is heaven. If we come into salvation and we, and we live by our own standard, we don't live by God's word, by his direction, these curses are just as applicable to our lives today in 2015 as they were to their lives so many thousands of years ago. Now let's go back to chapter 28. In verse 15 it says, But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and they will overtake you. And again, you see that word overtake. These curses are going to tackle you if you don't obey God. So the curses will overtake and tackle you. In other words, you won't be able to get away from them. You know, all of us have this tendency to think that we're the exception to the rule. People, human na- it's human nature to be that way. And when I was thinking about that, my mind went for some odd reason to a documentary I had seen a number of years ago on a guy by the name of Johnny Carson. And a lot of you know who that is, but a lot of you, maybe you're too young and you don't know, but he's the guy who put the, late, uh, the Tonight Show on the map in late night television. And Johnny Carson was a chain smoker. And he knew it was bad for his health, and he knew there were consequences to chain smoking. But all of his friends in this documentary said that Johnny actually believed he was the exception to the rule. And that he could chain smoke and nothing would happen to him. But the reality is that shortly after his retirement, emphysema came upon him so bad brought on by the smoking, that it took his life. Johnny thought he could be the exception to the rule, but he wasn't. And what I want to suggest to you is that's a very human uh, reaction. We all think we're the exception to the rule. And even sometimes Christians, that's true physically, but it's also true spiritually. We get this idea that we can live any old way we want and get away with it. And it won't affect us, and it won't have any impact upon our lives spiritually. So God takes these 54 verses out of Deuteronomy 28 to try to convince us that there are curses out there. They exist, and they're just as real today as the blessings are real today. They are negative consequences to wrong choices, and they are spiritual in nature. So going back to the first part of Deuteronomy 28, which dealt with the blessings, verses 3 through 6, talking about the blessings, blessing in the city, blessing in the country, going in, going out, and everything I read to you already. Verse 6 says, you shall be blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. Now down, we go down to verse 16, and 16 through 19 give us the opposite warning. You got the blessings over here, but now over here is an opposite warning And in verse 19, it says, you will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The exact opposite of what verse 6 said. And then the next 49 verses give us a rundown of what happens if we insist on ignoring God's standard of living. Now, before you get up and walk out, because you don't like what I'm telling you, first of all, truth does not bend to us. We bend to it, number one. We bend to truth. 
truth does not bend up whether we like it or not. But secondly, I want to encourage you that we're going to end very positively today. But before we get there, we're going to talk about some stuff. All right? Put your seatbelt on so you can't get up and leave. Just put your seatbelt on and snug it up. All right, so now 49 verses of what will happen if we insist on ignoring God's standard of living. And again, I'm not going to go into every one of them. It would take us too long. So let me just highlight them. Verse number 22, disease and death. Verse 25, defeat. Verse 28, confusion and fear. I will tell you, um, Pastor John mentioned how old I am. I'm 63 years old. I know, I don't look it. Uh, say, yeah, you look 73. Uh, no, but in 63 years, I have never seen so much confusion and fear in people. I'm not, just talk, I'm not talking about the body of Christ necessarily. I'm talking about everybody out there. People are scared. Some people refuse to watch the news because they're so scared of what they see. You know, I talk to them and say, no, I don't watch the news. Why not? Uh, I don't want to know about it. Um, confusion and fear is a demonic uh, attack that comes against people. And God says here, when you reject me, this is what you open yourself up to. Uh, and, and remember, now we're talking to, to God's people here. We're not talking to the world. We're talking to God's people. Verse 34 mental illness. A lot of that in the body of Christ. Verse 41, your, ki your kids ending up in bondage. I just put the word bondage there, but actually the verse says your kids are going to end up in bondage. Verse 44, you'll be the tail, not the head. Some, some say, well, why would God do this to us? God's not doing it to us. We're doing it to ourselves. By rejecting him, we're, we're, we're pushing the protective cover of God's blessing off of our lives. And there's never a vacuum. You, you push God out, something's going to come in and take its place. And this is what God says is going to come in. Verse 47, this is what the verse says. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for, abundance, for the abundance of everything. In other words... What he's saying here is it's not just God wants our obedience, you know, and we do our, our religious rituals and all. That's not it. He's looking for your heart. He's looking at your heart. And he's saying here, because you did not do this with joy and gladness of heart, recognizing that the abundance of everything came from him, not you, because you haven't done that, therefore these things are coming upon you. Verses 49 and 50, he says, demons will go after both the young and the old alike. We're talking about demonic oppression. Uh, verses, verse 54, says, the sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile towards his brother, towards his wife, toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind. In other words, we're talking about men who... Who have a look? They they have the look. It's all together. They got. They look like they're all together, and they're just Mr. Successful or Mr. Spiritual or whatever, and they look so good. But but because they have rejected and rebelled against God in a certain area of their life, they they begin to change. I mean, I have seen this in in Christian men who have allowed a, a, a little window of pornography into their life. 
or other forms of sexual immorality and they think they can get away with it and they think nobody will know. But here's the deal. It begins to change you as a man. It changes you as a person. Even women who get in, in, involved in female pornography, which is just as addictive and just as bad. And it changes you as a, as a person. And so here you have on the surface the, the sensitive and very refined man, you know. But what does he end up doing? He walks away from his wife. He walks away from the covenant he made with her. He walks away from his children. He walks away from those who were his friends. He becomes a different person. That's what happens when we reject. You know, I've heard it from so many women. He's not the man I, I married. I've heard it from men. She's not the woman I married. What's happened? We open ourselves up to demonic influence when we don't follow God. Are you getting this? I don't expect any amens out there, but it is nonetheless true. Verse 60 it says the diseases, and this is specific for Israel, but it says the diseases they left behind in Egypt. Remember, God made a promise that none of these diseases will come upon you. He told Israel that. None of the diseases that I put on the Egyptians will come upon you. Now he's saying the very diseases you walked away from are going to come chasing after you. They will tackle you. It has nothing to do with taking care of your body. It has to do with a, a, it's a spiritual thing, and it comes against you. People who keep themselves totally fit physically, and yet they're in rebellion against God, can have, be struck with diseases that they thought they were exempt from because they were keeping themselves in such great condition. And then the rest of the chapter, I'll not take time with it, it talks about de decrease and spiritual decay and fear and bondage and and this is what happens if we don't follow God. So why does God talk about these kind of things? Um, he's doing it to warn you. He's doing it to get you to immediately turn back to him. See, here's the deal. None of us is perfect. The, the important thing is how we react when we fail. If when we fail, we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and we return quickly to the Lord, the blessings of God are retained in our lives. But if when we fail, we justify it and we say, I had every right to do that, or he did this to me, I can do this to him, you know? When, when we make that our code, we, we begin to change as people. Our hearts change. We begin to open ourselves up. The point of all of this isn't to leave you hopeless, but to tell you that there is hope if you turn back to Jesus. You see, we can cover over all of this and act like all God wants to do now. We're, in, we're New Testament. This is Old Testament, Pastor Jim. We're now in the New Testament where it's all grace and the favor of God and all of those things. And I agree, there is grace and favor. But the reality is, it's not just grace and favor. And you know that it's not just grace and favor. You live life just like I do. You know that there's not just blessings out there in front of you. You've experienced it. You see the rebellion in your kids. 
You see what's happening in your home. You see the struggles in your finances. You see the decline in your health. And it feels like God's blessings are 100 miles away. The psalmist felt so much that, that same way. He said in Psalm 42, verses 9 through 11, Oh God, my rock, I cry. Have you done that? Why have you forgotten me? You ever felt that way? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? I'm going to talk to you about what that means. Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Now, the enemies that the psalmist was talking about were very literal. It was a kingdom. It was the Babylonian kingdom that God had allowed to rise up against Israel to conquer Israel because Israel was so, so, um, so rebellious to God that he brought judgment upon them through the Babylonians. And they were conquered. Many of them were killed. Most were killed. And the ones that were left, most of them were hauled off to Babylon itself. And the writer of this, this psalm, not David, it was another man, the writer of this psalm is remembering when he used to worship at the temple, remembering what it was like to worship with the people of God, remember what it was like to have the blessings of God upon Jerusalem and Israel. And now here he is in a foreign country, and he says, the enemies are enemies. The Babylonians were taunting them. Where is this God of yours? Look where you're at. Look at the condition of your life. And that's what Psalm 42 is talking about. But for us today, our enemies are not the Babylonians. Our, Abalone, our, our enemies today are demonic spirits that are arrayed against us. And Ephesians 6 talks about this. And if you don't think they're taunting you, if you don't think they're, they're scoffing at you, and God is trying to tell us that if we live in rebellion against his top ten, against his word in general, it opens the door of your life to demonic oppression, to decline, to defeat. You're opening it up. God's not doing it to you. It's happening because you're opening yourself up and your defenses are down. Psalm 42 says, says they end up being scoffed at and taunted by our enemies. That's demons, folks. That's demons attacking our lives because we're defenseless. So I'm not saying this morning that every Christian who has a rebellious kid or is fighting a physical challenge is living in rebellion to God. I'm not saying that all depression is a result of being in rebellion to God, but I am saying that when we turn away from closeness to Jesus, when we ignore his word, when we have a, a kind of a take it or leave it sort of attitude towards God's word, we are opening the door of our life and our family to demonic attack. So what do we do about it? Well, here's the good news, and this is what I want you to understand. There is something you can do about this. Go back to what I said at the very beginning from Deuteronomy 11, where God says, I'm setting before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you can live. You can choose a different way. You can choose a different outcome. You can choose blessings. Joshua said, Joshua was, was the man who followed Moses. 
Moses dies, Joshua steps up into leadership over Israel. And, and the book of Joshua is mostly about his, his leadership over Israel. And he's coming to the end of his life. And this is what he says in, in chapter 24. Talking to the people, he says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've got to quit serving excuses. We've got to start serving the Lord. You get it? Are you hearing me? We've got to quit serving excuses. What choice are you going to make? Will you choose to serve the Lord wholeheartedly or not? I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about committing yourself to say, Lord, with your help, I'm going to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I will not turn back. I will not turn back. For me, I'm just going to lay my life out there in front of you. I want victory over demons. I want victory over disease. I want victory over Satan's plan against my life and against my family. I want to see Jesus glorified in my life. I want to see him glorified in my family and my marriage. I want to see my kids, my grandkids serving Jesus, prospering under his care, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And that means that Carrie and I have made a choice. And that choice is, as for us, we will serve the Lord. As for our house, we will serve the Lord. doesn't matter how popular it is. It doesn't matter how legal it is. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord as long as we live. And my point to you is you can make exactly the same choice for you and your family, the one that Joshua made, the one that Carrie and I are making with our lives. If you don't, the curse, you're opening the door to the curse to overtake you, to attack you and your family. You'll open yourself up to demonic oppression. But if you do make that choice, hallelujah, the curse is going to be broken, hallelujah. If you make that choice, Satan's plan against you is going to be defeated. If you make that choice, your sense of value is going to return to your life. If you make that choice, the chains of defeat the enemy has put upon your life and upon your children and upon your family and upon your health and upon your finances is going to be broken by power of the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every other name. So look at it again. Joshua 24. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.